to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And we've been dealing with this series. Uh, we call it entitled it Scandalous. An inside look at the Corinthian church. Um, some lessons learned, some uh, some principles to be employed in our lives uh, from the church at Corinth. The Apostle Paul is the writer of our text. Is that correct? Bible study is. And Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. And as we've discovered, as we've uh, unpacked the first part of this book, we know that the first part of this book, Paul dealt with some concerns that have been brought to his attention concerning how the Corinthian church was conducting itself. Is that correct? And so he addressed those issues that have been brought to his attention. And I will, I will tell you this, that from a, from a spiritual leadership standpoint, it's important that spiritual leaders address issues that come to their attention. Whenever you are, 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 in, are over something or responsible for something, you, you must realize that when that thing is not going the way it should go, then God is going to come to that person who's responsible and, and, and begin to ask you questions about why did you not allow this? Why did you allow this or why you did not allow this? Okay. So Paul wrote to, to address some of those concerns that he'd heard about. Now, we, as we said on last week, we get into the second part of this letter where he's answering some questions that the Corinthian church had, had, had broached him about. They had written to him and said, here's some things that we're dealing with. How do we handle it? Amen. And I mean, you know, it's, it's good to know how to handle things God's way. Amen. How many of y'all grew up uh, handling things your way? How many of y'all grew up handling things the way your family handled things? And, and, and some of us came from some families that, you know, that, uh, hey, uh, you're, you kind of you went back and handled things the old way. But now that you're a born-again believer, God is instructing us to handle things his way. Can I get a witness? If I belong to God, and if you belong to God, then whatever we do should be, should be done out of our, our allegiance and our commitment to him. Can I get a witness? So Paul here begins to write here, and we'll, get, we'll jump back, and I'm gonna, we're going to move to this first part. I want to make sure that we get this, um, this, this 11th chapter here, because many people have taken this out of context. And I told you on last week that context rules the day. You've got to make sure that you have proper context so that when you take a passage of Scripture, you can be able to understand it in light of what God is trying to really get over to us. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 1. Let's start there again. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number one. Text says, as you and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He says in verse two, I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I pass on to you. Now, watch this again. As we dive into this 11th chapter of first Corinthians. Remember, don't forget this. Remember, the leadership of the Corinthian church had written Paul a letter, again, asking for instructions concerning certain problems which had arisen in the church. We saw that in the seventh chapter. And this chapter here, the eleventh chapter, deals with two problems concerning public worship. Everybody say two problems. Deals with two problems concerning public worship. The first problem deals with the customs of believers and of church worship, in particular with the partnership uh, an order existing between man, men and women in the church and society at large. So the first problem he deals with was customs. Everybody say customs. Customs are unique to that particular society at the time that, that Paul is writing to here. 
Amen? So he's dealing with Corinth, the customs in Corinth. The second problem he deals with is the Lord's Supper. Everybody say the Lord's Supper. So again, let's make sure you remember. First problem dealing with the customs of the believers as it relates to uh, church worship, as it relates to society in general, and as it relates to how men and women interface with one another. And second problem he deals with is the Lord's Supper. So let's read on to verse number three right quick. Amen? Verse 3 says this, uh, but there is one thing I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Verse 4 says, a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without covering her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Now watch this, don't forget, we said the context, he's dealing with this Corinthian church, and there are some customs that the Corinthians had, and, and there were some, I would say, some violation of those custom, those norms of the custom that were causing discord in the church. Because remember, when we first started this series, we knew that the Corinthian church was having problems with disunity. Everybody say disunity. In other words, the church should have been on one accord, flowing in the same direction, having their purpose and their focus, amen, on what God had called them to do, but they had allowed some stuff. Everybody say stuff. They allowed some stuff to filter in and cause the church to get off track. You remember we talked about before there was sexual immorality that was running rampant in the Corinthian church, right? You had all kinds of stuff going on, fornication, adultery, man sleeping, sleeping with his stepmother, amen, homosexuality, lesbianism, all types of sexual immorality that was taking place in the church and that had crept in and it caused the church, amen, not to be focused on what God had called him to do. Are y'all listening to me today? So we had, we had all those things going on, but then you also had these things, uh, that, that were customs of that day, that, 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 that some people were violating some of those custom, those customs, those norms of the, of the culture at that particular point in time. Now what's been said in this passage, again, is dealing with the particular situation in Corinth. It deals with the worship and customs of the Corinthian church and the society of its day. Now, make sure you hear me carefully. It is not the law of God for believers in every society and situation here. Because, again, there are some some norms of our custom that we have that other countries do not have. Are y'all listening to me today? And there are some norms, some, custom, some norms of the custom and culture that other countries have that we don't have. So Paul is dealing with those customs that were causing some, some grief in the church. Now, here's why this caused grief. Back up to the first one. Uh, back up to number four right quick. Let's look at it real quickly, and we're going to move on down. He says, a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying and prophesying. Now, watch this. A man dishonors his head. Whose man's head? Oh, y'all missed it. Back up to verse number three. Come on, y'all missed it. Come on, back, verse number three. Let's back up. But there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is whom? All right, y'all got that, right? Do not miss that. The head of every man is what? All right, let's go. go now, let's back on the verse. Go back to verse number four with it right quick. So the head of every man is what? What? Christ. A man dishonors his head. Who's his head? See, many of y'all read that for years. You thought he dishonored his head, physical head. He's talking about his head spiritually, Christ. A man dishonors whom? Christ. 
if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. Why? But brother pastor, why would he be dishonoring Christ if he prays uh, uh, or prophesies with his head covered? Remember I told you on last week, what was happening was men that were covering their heads were doing it as a sign of rebellion. Okay, because again, the early church uh, prayed with their head uncovered as a sign that now that Christ has came and been crucified, buried and resurrected and is seated on the right hand of the Father. Now we have equal access to God. We can go to God for ourselves. We don't need that mediator, come on, uh, of the high priest like they did in the old covenant. Moses, amen, covered his head after being in the presence of God. And those under Judaism were still following Moses in some in certain instances. So what, what was happening in Corinth was when men came into the service, amen, covering their heads, which was against the custom of the early church in Corinth, it caused dissension in the church. And so what Paul is dealing with right here, as he talks about this passage, he's dealing with the attitudes and the mindsets of the people. See, you can you can do something uh, and, and, and that violates a cultural norm and you can do it out of a spirit of rebellion, even though you know that if I if I adhere to the custom, the norms of that custom, then I could have some agreement with the people who I'm trying to reach. You remember when Paul said this one time, Paul says, uh, you know, basically what Paul said was, well, well, if it takes being like the Romans to reach the Romans, I'm going to act like the Romans to reach the Romans. Can I get a witness? What he's saying is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become as them so that I can reach them. Sometimes, guys, we end up messing people up and running them away from us because we are insisting on doing things just the way we want it done. And what Paul is saying here is, when a man covers his head, in this, in this contextual uh, situation where we deal with Corinth, they were doing it as a sign of rebellion. And it was causing discord in the church. Everybody say it was a custom. To pray with the head uncovered. And so what he's dealing with is those guys' attitude, because they were praying with the head covered, they were doing it, guys, to, 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 to show rebellion against the order and the customer that they, so it was causing discord in the church. Everybody with me? So who's the head of man? Okay, we got it. All right, let's move to the next one, right? Verse number five, it says what? But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering over her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. This is the same as shaving her head when she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. All right. A, a woman dishonors her head. So who's the woman's head? Who? 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 Man. Okay. <laughs> Are y'all with me? He's talking about man. Is, but a woman particular husband, but a woman dishonors her head, her, her husband, when she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. So why would that be dishonoring? Well, understand this. During this culture, we're dealing with culture and customs. During this culture and this custom, whenever a woman shaved her head or didn't have, allow her hair to grow long or did not wear a veil, wear a veil it was a sign of loose morality. Because temple prostitutes did what? Shave their heads. So whenever a woman would not have her head, would have her head shaved, it was dishonoring her head because according to the culture, there's a loose woman there. Now, no husband wants their woman to be loose. Oh, let me back up. I don't, I don't mean their woman. I mean their, their wife. 
can't get away because some husband got a woman and they want a woman that's loose. That's why they got her. She loose. She's the side chick. She's, a, she's, she's his weekend thing. Are y'all listening to me today? That is not biblical. Everybody says it's not biblical to have a side chick. All right, now watch this. So, so understand, the, understand the culture, the custom that they're dealing with. So whenever a woman would have her head shaven or cut short, it was dishonoring her husband by the mere fact that according to the custom of that day, short hair, a shaved head meant you were loose. Now I would, I would say today, in America in the year 2019, having short hair don't mean that you're loose. Is that right? Are y'all following me? That's not our custom. Because oh, some of y'all ladies got some, some, some short hair and y'all look nice, but it don't mean you're loose. But were you in the Corinthian culture at that point in time, again, do not forget this. Paul is dealing with the problems in the church that were bringing disunity. And because of the culture and the custom as they relate to Corinth, Shaved hair, unveiled hair meant that you were a loose woman. Is everybody still with me now? Want to make sure we get that. Because uh, there, there are people who are today who still, uh, uh, there are certain denominations where women are not allowed to cut their hair because of a misunderstanding of the scripture. Let's go to the next verse. Yes, if she refused to wear a head covering, she should cut, yes, yes, if she refused to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. Watch this. Look at the next verse. A man should not wear anything on his head when, when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects what? Man's glory. Are y'all still tracking with me now? Is anybody confused? Because I, I felt like last week, maybe I, I maybe confused some of y'all. So I want to come back and reiterate what Paul was dealing with. Context rules today in scripture interpretation. And in Corinth, there was a cultural norm that was being violated that was causing discord in the church. And Paul wanted to bring unity to the church. All right, so again, in a woman, it said, a man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping for a man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. Verse 7, verse 8, let's go for the first, for the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. Verse number 9, let's read, and man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. Next verse says, for this, for this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. Now, again, remember, cultural norm said if this woman didn't have a veil, she had short hair or shaved hair, that she was a loose woman who was, who was not under the authority of her husband. So in order to prevent that from being a, what, what they thought and what would be the social norm that would cause discord in the church, he says, just cover your head. Just, if you want to solve this problem, just cover your head, right? Like we always tell you, when we go to another church and they believe that women should not wear pants, then what are we going to do? Ladies, what are we going to do? We're going to put a dress on and we're going to shout like we got pants on. I mean, to a certain degree. You know, it's no skin off our back because we don't want to cause uh, anything to injure the consciousness of those brothers or sisters who believe that it's wrong for a woman to wear pants. Are y'all with me today? So we, we, we're going to be biblical in all that we do. So as we get down to look, look with me on your outline right quick. 
Because we said that there, if you have last week's outline, and, and Brother Jay, if you happen to have those, you can pop them up. If not, we'll, I'll give them to you right quick. Uh, we, principle number one that we talked about was we said that there is a partnership and order in the universe. There is a partnership and order in the universe. God has order. There's partnership and order. Man and woman are in partnership. Remember, the, the Bible says that, that in Christ Jesus, there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, but we all one in Christ. In other words, man, man, uh, woman originally came out of man, but then every man comes out of a woman, right? There is a partnership. When God talks about order, he's not talking about one being better than the other. Can I get a witness up in here? When he talks about order, he's not talking about uh, a man being greater than a woman. In, In the eyesight of God, men and women are equal. Can I get half a witness? Men and women are equal in the eyesight of God. So we got to make sure that we don't, don't, don't go off to the deep ends and think that because I'm man, man, I'm man, you woman. I'm Tarzan, you Jane. Do what I say. Don't give me no lip. It should be a partnership in your relationship. Can I get two amens? It should be a partnership in the relationship. And any man should understand that the wife is their helper that's provided to him by God that's suitable for him. God, God says it's not good that man should be alone, but I'm going to make a helper that's suitable for him. A helper that will, will assist him in being all that I've ordained for him to be. It's, it's important that we understand that partnership. There's, Man having order uh, of being uh, being the head of the woman don't mean that the man should lord that over the woman. Can I get a witness here? Now, now again, uh, let's let's look back. So, so principle number one is there's a partnership and order in the universe. Number, principle number two: do not embarrass or dishonor anyone. Again, we talk about the principles that 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 Paul is trying to get over in the attitude that he's trying to address with these Corinthian Christians because this church. When we first start this series, we, we found out they were messed up. The Corinthian church had stuff going on in it that should not have been. And so Paul writes and addressed those issues, and now he's answering their specific questions as it relates to some of these cultural norms that were causing discord in the church. Amen? So, so, so again, we must not embarrass or dishonor anyone. This verse, uh, when we look down here, uh, uh, at the sixth verse, go back to verse number six with me, right quick. Okay, hallelujah. Verse number six, if we can pop that up. Verse six says this Praise the Lord. Are y'all still tracking with me today? It says, uh, Verse six, yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all of her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaven, she should wear a covering. Now, again, remember, cultural norms said that when a woman was dressed like that, it was a sign that she was a loose woman or either a temple prostitute. So that would actually dishonor her husband if she was a temple prostitute, right? That would dishonor her husband if she was uh, a loose woman. So he says, uh, you know, we, we, we should not embarrass or dishonor anyone in the way we dress. I shared with you on last week uh, some, some things that, that sometimes you see out there in, in the culture. We as a church can't adapt everything, every new style that's out there. Now, I, I, listen, I, I don't believe that a woman should dress old fogey. Y'all know what old fogey means? In other words, understand this. Your holiness is not tied to your dress. But if you holy, you will moderate your dress. 
Let me say again. Because you can dress with a skirt down to the floor and be just as hellish and hoarse as you want to be. Can't I get away with it? You just do it with a longer skirt. Are y'all tracking with me today? A man may not ever put a hat on his head, but he can still be just as hoarse with a bald head. So, so, so your dress doesn't equal holiness. Can we, can, we, can, we, can we all agree on that? Because holiness is an inside-out job. God said, work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. So in other words, when I allow God to have his preeminent place inside of my heart, and he begins to grow, and I let him, and I begin to grow up in him, then the things on my outside will begin to reflect my condition on the inside. So when you're saved, ladies, in particular, I'm just, and I'm not just picking on ladies, but again, that's what he's dealing with right here. What, what I'm saying is that, that your dress ought to be in moderation. You don't have to dress like you came out the cotton field in order to be holy. But you don't want to dress like you just came out the strip club either. Any of y'all have been to this? Don't even answer that. Don't, don't even answer that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Any of y'all ever saw a woman on the street trying to sell her body? What does she do? She dresses in a way that's enticing to the eye. Can I wipe the sweat off my brow right quick? And let me tell you something. Uh, as I said before, uh, men, I'm, I'm going to say this because it's, it's true. It's biblical. And I, I, and the scripture back me up. Men are more so than women visually stimulated. Thank you. I got one yes, Lord, from the back of it. <laughs> Men are, 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 are more visually stimulated than women are. Women are more emotionally stimulated. Because I, 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 when I say this, guys, I want you all to hear me. A woman will connect with a man who will speak to her inside. He may not be the prettiest thing in the world, but if he deal with the heart, when he tells her, sit yourself down, baby, let me talk to you. Let me tell you what's on my mind. A woman begs to hear what's on a man's mind. Because most of the time, men don't say what's on their mind. So he may not, he, he may not look like a... Uh, 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 Denzel Washington or may not look like Rick Fox or whoever, somebody you consider to be cute but if he can speak to your heart speak to your emotions she, he, a man can grab a woman can I get two witnesses up in here are y'all with me but a, but a woman can grab a man just by shaking that thing Because he's going to be looking. So upon the saying, given the custom of the day, you want to make sure, ladies, that you dress in moderation. 
Because somebody is looking. I promise you, somebody's looking. And man, you want to make sure that you're not doing things in a rebellious nature. He's dealing with the attitude of the heart, guys. Can I get a witness up here? So, so we must not embarrass or dishonor anyone by the way we dress. A man can dishonor God by the way he dresses. Amen. Again, some men in the Corinthian church were dishonoring the culture and the custom norm of that day by wearing a headdressing. And, uh, and it was causing confusion and rebellion in the church. So the church, you know, what Paul wanted to do, the, 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 church, the church wanted to show that man, uh, by, by having the head uncovered, they wanted to show that man had regained that, the image of God. They had, they had access to God like they did in the garden. But by virtue of going through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So if I had a head covering, that means that, 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 that I'm, I'm, I'm dishonoring that fact that, uh, that the uncovered head shows that I got a relationship with the, with the Savior and I got access to God. Can I get a witness? So, so, so we must not embarrass or dishonor one another. Let's keep moving, y'all. All right, so again... Uh, third thing you want to look at is person number three, do not violate the order of creation. He deals with the order of creation. God created man first, right? And again, don't, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't have a lot of time to, to hone in on this one, but understand this. There is order in, the earth, in everything that God creates and is a part of. There is order because he, he's a God of order, right? So he has order in, 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 there's order in the universe. All this stuff wasn't just floating out there and banging together haphazardly. God created the heavens and earth. The church has order. The home has order. So let's respect God's order. Principle number four. Let's go to it right quick. Number four says, I recognize the essential partnership. The essential partnership. Verse 11 and 12 again. The essential partner. Recognize the essential partnership, guys. This is a partnership between man and and woman. There's a partnership between God and Christ. Because even when Christ came down here on the earth to, 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 and born, and God wrapped himself in human flesh, he was in connection with his Father in heaven. He submitted himself to the authority of God the Father. He says, if there's any other way this can happen, let this cup pass away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thy will be done. He wants us to know that, 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 uh, there's a there's a there's an essential partnership between man and woman. Okay, it's really important that we know that we, it's a partnership. Men men and women in a covenant relationship should never view it as a battle for who's in control. It should be let's make sure that we are connecting so that we can be uh, we can present to the world the picture of how Christ connects to this church. But we won't understand that if we don't understand that, that we are a part of a central partnership between man and woman. We, it's not about who's ruling over who, but it's, because God, ultimately, guys, there has to be someone who's, who's who responsible. Uh, you can't have uh, uh, two head coaches. Because at some point in time, somebody will have to decide whether or not we're going to go for it on fourth and one from our own 30-yard line or whether or not we're going to punt the ball away. So what if one coach says, well, I want to punt it. One coach says, I want to try to get the one yard. So now we have an impasse, right? So God has to have order in everything he creates because order keeps things in order. Are you listening to me today? All right. All right, so recognize. But, but, but again, that order doesn't mean that the guy who's the offensive coordinator is any less of a man than the head coach. It just means that for responsibility purposes, God is coming to the head coach. And I've said it before and I've said it again, in our homes, God's going to come to the head coach, which is the man. Are y'all listening to me? Now, again, the, 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 the wife, the queen, is, is reigning right there by his side. 
Are y'all listening to me? And any good head coach won't try to take over his offensive coordinator's role. If he hired him to call plays, let him call the plays. Do y'all know what an offensive coordinator Some of y'all women look at him like, how many men know what an offensive coordinator is? How many women know? All right, y'all know, okay. We got some women who follow. How many know what a defensive coordinator is? All right. He coordinates the defense. He's the head guy who tells them what, what coverage they're going to run, if they're going to blitz or whatever. And he has these position coaches who are doing their thing, the defensive end coach, the linebacker coach, secondary coach, uh, you know, whatever, the defensive tackle coach. They're they doing their thing, coaching the individual positions, but the coordinator coordinates all of them together. You have the offensive coordinator who coordinates the offense and the defensive coordinator who coordinates the defense. But there's a head coach. And guess who's responsible? Some of y'all been hollering for the Dallas Cowboy to get rid of Jason Garrett for as long as have you. But, but, but he's still the head coach. Right? He's still the head coach. So ultimately, when they don't make it past the first round of the playoffs, Bobby, they come back at the at who? The head coach. We believe, Bobby, that this year they're going to do better, right? There's eternal hope springing with the Cowboy fans up in there. But the head guy is what? Responsible. Is everybody with me? So, so again, uh, go, go to verse, let's go to verse 13. Num- the next person we want to look at is the fifth one. We use common sense. Everybody say use common sense. How many know every Christian don't use common sense? Watch what the text says. Go, go to verse number 13. Use common sense. Verse number 13. Let's read. It says, Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And again, he's dealing with the cultural norms at that time. So if you are here and you're a brother to have long hair, don't you go away from this message saying, Pastor told me it's, it's disgraceful for me to have long hair. Because there is, in certain cultures, it's, it's, it's a sign of honor for a man to have a long hair. Remember Samson? Hello, somebody. You remember Samson? Long hair. So this, this is, he's dealing with the cultural the cultural norms that were causing discord in the church. We got we to gotta remember that, okay? Because uh, I don't think I can wear long hair anymore. I don't, I don't know. You know, uh, you know, the older you get, you know, it don't grow like it used to grow. That's why I just keep mine just low. I don't even have to brush it, get up anymore and do this right here. How many of y'all back in the day had, wore a fro? How many of y'all wore a fro, okay? Call, I remember your fro. You had, you had, you had, you had, a, you had a fro flowing there. It was flowing, man. It was flowing. But see, see, if, if this had applied to, 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 for, for all mankind, then in the 70s when you wore your fro, every man that wore a fro would have been out of order. Long hair, right? He was dealing with the customer at the time. So isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? Because again, when, they, when a man was doing this guy, remember what was happening here, uh, it, it, was, it was a sign of a rebellion against the cultural norms that were causing discord in the church. And Paul was addressing the issue of discord in the church, the attitude of the saints in the church. That's what he's dealing with, the attitude of people. Let's go to the next verse. It says what? Uh, verse 15, and isn't, it, and isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy, for it has been given to her as, as a covering? 
All right, verse 16 says what? But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this and need to do God's other churches. Okay? So the, you know, the custom of that time, he's, he's addressing that custom and says that was, that was a custom in a lot of these churches that we're dealing with. But it was dealing with that time right there. So don't, don't take that to mean that I'm, I'm in sin if I wear short hair, ladies, or I'm in sin, man, if I wear long hair. Okay? So, so, but use common sense as it relates to cust, issues of custom and issues of culture. If we go to Africa to share, there's some cultural nuances in Africa that we don't have in America. So if I'm going to be effective in sharing the gospel in a foreign country with a different culture, I better try to study that culture before I go and say something that means something totally different than what it does in America. Are y'all listening to me today? Because you can say something that means something totally different and then now you've missed your audience. Amen? All right, look at principle number six. Number six, we said we must not contend and argue over customs. Amen. Believers should conform to the expected customs of Christian behavior and church order and not argue and rebel against them. Are you all with me today? Now, the implication is this. We are not on earth to argue and fight over trivial matters but to carry on the ministry of God's work. It amazes me how we get off track on stuff that really is not trivial and essential to getting people saved and getting them discipled. We, we will, we, I mean, just stuff that don't even make sense, churches will fall out and split over. I mean, mundane things. where they, they, they change the entryway from the front to the back. I didn't like that. My mama came through that front entryway 40 years ago. Baby, the church has changed, and the church is larger, so we got to expand and do something different. I don't like that pulpit now. They go from wall to wall. Where are the chairs? Some of y'all chair people. Where the preacher going to sit? Right out there. Did y'all, see, did y'all see me sitting right out there? All right. So, so don't listen, guys. We cannot get so beholden to custom, custom. But if there's something that's of that particular order, and I'm going into that place to preach, then I'm not going to try to knock that custom down because it makes me feel better. Because I want to be able to reach the people. Can I get a witness? I want to be able to reach the people. Now, watch it. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So, uh, are y'all with me on that one? All right. So, do not contend and argue over customs trivial thing. Let's go to the next thing. We, we, we deal with, the first problem we said was the customs that were affecting public worship. Let's deal with the Lord's Supper right quick. Amen? In a few minutes that we have left, the Lord's Supper. How many of y'all uh, take, partake of the Lord's Supper? This is one of the two ordinances of the church that we observe, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Both of them are equally important. Because, guess what? God commanded us to do both of them. Jesus commanded us to do both of these. So don't take it as a trivial matter. It is important because they represent something. You know, I told you before, baptism represents uh, being dead to the old man and being resurrected to the new man. Baptism is an outward profession to the world that, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And to show you that I do, I'm going to go into the water. I'm going to dip beneath the surface, which is a sign of being buried, and I'm going to come back up, which is a sign of being resurrected. Amen? So baptism shows that I've died to the old man, and I've been resurrected to the new man. Can I get a witness? Now watch, watch, watch. So let's look at this. The Lord's Supper 
it's, again, it's one of the ordinances of the church. It's crucial for believers to understand how it is, how it is, and is not to be observed. This passage is a thorough study on that subject. Let's go right quick. Verse number 17. Are y'all there with me? Come on, let's read. So we're walking through here. We're learning from the church at Corinth. Don't get tripped up over customs. Uh, respect customs in places, in, in, in positions where that becomes an important thing and it will stop you from really being able to reach people, okay? Uh, but don't, but, but understand this, customs, customs by themselves won't send you to heaven or hell. It's knowing who Jesus is and accepting him as your Lord and Savior or either rejecting that, okay? Look at verse 17, let's read, read. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you do what? When you meet together. When you meet together. He says, but in the following instructions, he says, first, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I what? I believe it. I believe it. Watch this. Next verse says what? But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be what? You will be recognized. Now watch what he's saying here. I want to slow down just for a second. Watch what he's saying here. He says, I, I know that there, there's, I believe that there's division among you because whenever you are preaching truth and somebody is following error, there's going to be division. And what he says is that, he says, but of course there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized and will be noticed. All right, so whenever I preach the word of God or whether you stand on the word of God and, and you stand strongly on the word of God, I promise you, I don't care who you are, where you live, at some point in time, your standing on truth is going to cause somebody to come against you. You at work. And at work, they tell you, well, you know, just, just uh, you know, I know, I'm just, I'm just making this up, okay? Um, they tell you, well, you know, I know the menu says uh, uh, two all beef patties, special sauce, <laughs> lettuce pickles on a sesame bun. But we, 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 you know, we're we running out of pickles and we want to stretch the pickles. So we ain't going to give them no pickles. So by the time they go off, you know, we're going we're gonna to stretch it to the end of the week. I'm just, I'm just making this up, okay? Uh, but but you, you know that the sandwich says pickles on there. But in order to save money, you don't put the pickles on the, on the, on the Big Mac, all right? And let the people go without the pickles. And, they, and most of y'all, when you get home, especially if you're in Benton, you wait to get home, you're not going to go back all the way to Bowles to get pickles, are you? Because that person was trying to save money. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is that's dishonest of you as a worker when you know what the menu says and you don't put on there unless they say cut, cut the pickles. You got to give them what they said. It would be the same as somebody who's selling a car or somebody who's selling a product, but they lie to sell the product. Now, you're in that environment where your salesman has told you to lie. What you going to do? What are you going to do as a Christian if your salesman just said, well, you know what? I know this is what we said, but you know, let's tell them this because if we tell them this, we'll be able to sell more product. I want to know how many of y'all as a believer is going to say, well, listen, I, listen, that's not true. That's not accurate. Uh, that goes against our policy, and I'm not going to do that. Now, immediately at that point in time, we're going to have some discord and the re what Paul says here, this is what happened in the church because he says, when you stand for truth, when you stand on God's word and you don't, you don't, you don't back down, you stand for what God's word says, there's going to be some division that's going to take place. He says, 
Go back to verse 18 with me right quick. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 18. First, I hear that there are what? That there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it, he says. Look at the next verse. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be what? You who have God's approval will be recognized. All right. Let's go. Let's go to the next verse. Right. It says what? When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. Stop right here. Now, read, read the next one. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Now, look at the cultural difference in how the Corinthian church did the Lord's Supper and how we did it. The Corinthian church would have something that's called the love feast before the actual ceremony of the Lord's Supper. And, and at the love feast, when they met together as a church, you had people over here, I'm just, you know, who be over here doing their own thing. You're barbecuing those ribs, Nate. Those things were good, brother. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you hit a home run. You can fix me some of those anytime you get ready, okay? All right. But, but, but you're, you have this family over here, this group over here, that's eating and, and just, just getting full and just you know, got plenty of food. And then you got this other family over here during the love feast before the ceremony of the Lord's Supper. We're talking about attitudes and mentality. You got these folks here eating, and they weren't sharing with these folks who had little to nothing. Y'all follow what's happening? Now they're doing this as they come together corporately for the love feast before the actual ceremony of the Lord's Supper. So what, watch what Paul says. Just for some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. How many of y'all have hurried to eat your food before somebody even looked like they wanted to ask you for some of your food? So what's happening in Corinth at the love feast that was done in conjunction with the ceremony of the Lord's Supper? Watch this again. For some of you heard each your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Yes, it said, while others get drunk at the love feast before the Lord's Supper. Here you are drunk before the Lord's Supper. You with your trifling self. Watch this. Watch. Look at this. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Look at the next verse. Come on, got to read it. What? Don't you have your own home for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. Listen, guys, the attitude is what he's after. You had people who were not concerned about those who were less fortunate. And they were faring sumptuously over here while you had poor people who didn't have very much at all to eat. And they're trying to eat up all this stuff before they come so they don't have to even offer them food. It's the attitude. Everybody say the attitude. You can come to church, but come to church with a stinking attitude. You can be in church singing the choir, and, and on the outside it looks like you're really praising God, but on the inside your heart is not right. It's a matter of the heart. Watch this. See, I'm not going to praise you for this. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Let's go. All right, so, uh, so, 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 
Under the Lord's Supper, number one, why Paul rebuked the way the Corinthians were celebrating the Lord's Supper. He, he rebuked them for the way they were celebrating the Lord's Supper. They had this love feast before the actual ceremony of the Lord's Supper. And their attitude was, was, was coming out in how they handled themselves in that situation. All right. Look, 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 look with the next verse. Let's go. OK, so number, number two, point number two, the, the corruption of the Lord's Supper was taking place. And we see this as we go through verses 18 through 22. They corrupted what God had set aside as an ordinance for the church to observe. Is everybody still with me? Now, get back with me. Let's go back to verse number 20 with me right quick. Here we go. Verse 23. I'm sorry. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. That's what Jesus says. I'm, I'm, this is my body. The bread represents what? So, so, so just jot that down in your notes. The bread, y'all already know this, but just, just, just in case you have forgotten it. The bread represents what? The body of Christ. All right. Look at the next verse. And gave thanks to God. It says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. As often as you drink it. So the, the, the wine, the fruit of the vine represents what? The blood that was shed for. The bread represents what? The body. The fruit of the vine represents what? Now, it's key that I say this. It represents the blood. There are some uh, who, who come out of certain uh, denominations of faith who believe that the, the, the wine, when you partake of it, literally becomes the blood of Christ. But that's not what it says here. He says, he says this cup is the new covenant between God and his people and agreement to confirm my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. That the, the, the fruit of the vine is, doesn't transform into the blood of Christ. It represents the blood of Christ. Are y'all with me today? Let's keep moving. We've got to get out of here. So for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In other words, every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, what, what are we doing? We are proclaiming, we are, we're, we're, we're announcing and we're proclaiming that we believe that Jesus died and rose again and that he's coming back for us. Watch this. So anyone who drinks this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Drink this unworthy. Now, again, remember what was happening. The love feast before the ceremonial Lord's Supper. They were pigging out over here, and people were halfway starving over here. And nobody was sharing. Don't ever get to a point to where when God blesses you with abundance, you won't share with others. As a matter of fact, that's why God blesses us with more, so that we can be, he blesses us to be a blessing. And so the attitude of the Corinthian church had gotten so out of whack that they would hurry up eating their food so that the poor people could, wouldn't ask them for any. That's a shame, isn't it? Guys, we don't want to ever have that mentality. When God blesses us, we know that he blesses us to be a blessing. I, I, I tell you, when, I, I want, I, listen, we, the reason why I want abundance is so that I can have more to share with others. Remember what John 10 and 10 says? The thief cometh not but to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have what? Life. And that you may have it more abundantly. See, in the Corinthian church, there was cliques within the church, division within the church, which corrupted the Lord's Supper. And so we got to make sure that we don't get into that mindset where we have 
cliques and divisions in the church. And these people were deceiving themselves and thinking they were all okay with God. There's no, there's nothing worse than being in self-deception. When you think you're right, but you're dead wrong. The Bible says this over in James. It talks about the person who, who as a matter of fact, go to James 1 with me right here. James chapter 1. Glory to God. I want to see this right here and we're going to, we're going to close on that. Are y'all still with me? So we got to learn from the Corinthian church. We don't want to be, we don't want to do the same thing. Now, again, we're going to see later on uh, that if, if you read into the second letter, the Corinthian church did a course correction and they got some things right. They began to make some, some, uh, some quality decisions and they began to, to, to flow in the way that God wanted them to flow in. But it, when Paul wrote this letter, they were messed up. And many times we have churches today that are messed up because the mindset of the people is not right. James chapter 1, um, uh, in verse, let's go down to uh, verse number 19 through 22. James 1, 19 through 22. We're going to get you out of here. Watch this. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? Let's read that one more time. You must be all what? Guys, I'm going to tell you, if you just follow James 1 and 22, you keep yourself out of a whole lot of trouble. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Verse number 20, let's go. Said, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Verse number 22, watch this. But don't just listen to God's word. Don't just listen to me on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays. Don't just listen to the radio preacher or the television preacher. You must do what it says. Amen? Otherwise, you are what? You're only fooling yourself. If you come to church and you hear principles taught, but you don't make any effort to apply those in your own life, guess what? You're just fooling yourself. You feel good about coming. And, and, and it satisfies your conscience, but you're not... You're not it, it, it's, it's basically useless. If I'm not going to do this stuff, you know, I just, you know, if I'm not, especially if I'm not going to try to do it, you might as well stay at home. Are y'all listening to me? So we got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's what he's saying, okay? So you're only fooling your own self. You're fooling your own self. That's self-deception. That's when you think you are someplace that you're really not. All right? Get back here to 1 Corinthians 11. I got to close this thing out, okay? So uh, look at the severe consequences of partaking unworthily of the Lord's Supper. Let's look at what was happening in Corinth then, okay? Uh, the severe consequences of partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily, in an unworthy fashion. Go back to verse 27 with me right quick. And we'll get out of here. He says, so anyone who, who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Next verse, he says what? Uh, that is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup, every, sun, every second Sunday, I, I challenge each one of us in here to look in your heart to see if there's something that it should not be. Are you, are you harboring unforgiveness? Or, or is, is there unconfessed sin in your heart? Deal with that thing. Right then. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Look at what was happening in Corinth. Verse 30. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. The Corinthian believers were experiencing sickness and they were weakness. Maybe, maybe you stand sick because you got unforgiveness in your heart. 
Maybe, maybe you're, 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 uh, you're not where you need to be energy level wise because you, you're carrying stuff that you shouldn't be carrying. He says, that's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. Because they were not properly discerning the Lord's body. They were doing all this stuff. Their attitude was wrong. They were over there, over there you know, partaking of the love feast and ignoring those who were hungry and would not share. Don't ever become a stingy Christian. Amen. Watch what the next verse says. Watch this. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. What does that mean? God... All of us, even today, guys, if we were to examine our lives and see what's wrong and then make the correction ourselves, then God won't have to judge it. Are y'all listening to me today? God gives us a chance to correct it ourselves. But you know how some of us are, including me. Certain, you know, there, there are times when, when, when God had to deal with me because I wouldn't deal with myself. And if you deal with yourself, God won't have to deal with you. But if God comes and judges it, guess what? He knows how to give a good whipping. How many of y'all had parents who knew how to give a good whipping? Huh? And when those parents gave you that good whipping, I'm not talking about this. Stop. You better stop that, boy. No. Pull that switch. Whom the Lord loveth, he does what? And none of y'all in here are dysfunctional because your, your, your mama gave you a good old butt whip when you needed one. Your daddy gave you a good old butt whip when you needed one. Now, granted, some, some of them went too far sometimes. And some of them were here today, they probably be in, you know, have to answer for how they did you. But I thank God you sitting right here not in jail today. Come on. You're sitting right here. You're not dysfunctional. As a matter of fact, you know how to handle your own children now because, because your mom and daddy love you enough to discipline you. Any parent who loves their child won't let them go run wild. Y'all with me? So, but if we examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Next verse. We got one more? Say, so, yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Okay? We will not be condemned along the word. 33 and 34, and we finished. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. The judgment was they were eating the love feast before the several Lord's Supper and weren't sharing. Just, just you know, hurry up and eat it so they wouldn't have to give it anybody else's stuff. If you're going to be that way, you better eat it at home instead of coming to church and making a mockery of God. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. Okay, so he addressed these two issues, the customs, how those customs of the day were causing discord in the church. And he dealt with the Lord's Supper in this 11th chapter. Now, guys, next week, I'm going to start. We're coming toward the close of this chapter of 1 Corinthians. But next week, we're going to start dealing with spiritual gifts. OK. Um, and. I'm going to talk about it on on Sunday, but also we'll deal. I may end up dealing with some of that on Wednesday, so we can have some Q and A time with it. But spiritual gifts are critically important for us to understand. And many times in the church, people haven't recognized their gifting, or have not been exposed to their gifting and not operating in it because they don't know. 
So I want you to know what these spiritual gifts are. I want you, I want you to know what the people who have these gifts, what are their tendencies and, and how, how, what does that gift do? Because we need all of the gifts that God gave to the body. Can I get a witness? And so Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day morning with all power and heaven and earth in his hand. And, he, and when he resurrected from the, from the grave with all power and heaven and earth in his hand, he also extended spiritual giftings to us so that we could help the body grow and be what, it, what God has called and ordained for it to be. I believe personally that the church is not as effective as it could be because many Christians sitting there don't understand what their gifting are. So when you don't know your gift and you end up operating in an area where you're not gifted and you do OK, but OK ain't OK. For, I said just OK is not OK. In the church, just OK is not OK. God wants us to excel and, and, to, and to show forth the name of Christ in all that we do. Amen. So next week we'll pick back up. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise.